as you came in tonight. Uh, I hope that you were able to receive a handout, and uh, we might have run out. But the title of our study tonight is the first in a series, and we're calling this tonight, Why Study the Kingdom of God? Why Study the Kingdom of God? One of the things I like about Sunday nights here at Wind Baptist Church is it's, oh, it's just a little less formal and feels a lot more like family, and we're able to talk about some things sometimes that maybe just don't fit on Sunday morning. I, um, I spend a lot of hours during the week in study. I believe that part of a pastor's primary assignment is to feed the sheep, and to be a good shepherd means that I need to study and, and be careful to present what God wants shared. Uh, when someone preaches, it is not just a Bible lesson. It should be an encounter with the Word of God, where God has something to say to His people, and He is speaking. And so, when I sit down each week, and I study or think about Sunday morning or Sunday night or whatever other assignment that I have, I find myself waiting on the Lord. And sometimes He doesn't say everything I'd like Him to when I would like Him to, and, and things boil down to, um, to, uh, to just a few hours before I'm supposed to speak. And that's uncomfortable because I'm a planner. I like to have things ready uh, weeks in advance. <laughs> but it doesn't always happen that way. For some time now, this series has been stirring in my heart. You say, well, how long will we study the kingdom of God? I wish I could tell you that. Um, I can't even tell you exactly what we're going to do next week, although I think I have an idea. But last year, in our Thursday morning men's Bible study, we got detoured for two or three weeks on the topic of the kingdom of God. And over and over, the men in that particular study came up and said, we need to do this on Sunday. The church needs to hear this. And for some 14 years, I have been enthralled and excited and growing in my own understanding of the kingdom of God. And I believe it's time that we, we explore that. And have you ever had the experience of someone coming up to you and asking you about something that you knew nothing about. Most of us have had that. And you feel at that moment kind of ignorant. I feel that way often. And, and that happens. And they'll, they'll say, well, are you ready for such and such? Or did you do such and such? And I'll say, well, no, I, I didn't know I was supposed to. And they say, well, didn't you get my email? Didn't you get my note? Didn't you get my phone call or phone message? And, uh, and that's the kind of situation that I think we have right now in North America in the Christian church because there's a day coming when you and I are going to encounter the kingdom of God in eternity and we're going to say, wow, why didn't I understand this on earth? And he said, well, I sent you the message. <laughs> I sent you the messenger. And and we are largely, in North America, ignorant, I'm afraid, of the kingdom of God. And as a consequence of that, we see the results. America is in trouble. And I'm not going to recite a bunch of statistics tonight, but you know it. 
from reading the paper or watching the news, or even just in your own daily experience, our nation is in trouble. Morally, spiritually, economically, people who look at the future have been saying for some years now that the American dominance on the world scene is fading. And the we are no longer going to be, if it's not already happened, we are no longer going to be the economic or military or political leader that we have been in past years. And we see that happening before our eyes. It's unfolding. And we anticipate, and there are many voices telling us, that we need to expect an economic collapse. And are we prepared for such? There are other voices that are quick to point out that we are flagging in the area of missions as well. Not only is our nation in trouble, but our missionaries are in trouble. And you say, well, why is that? Well, not only do they face the challenges overseas in the fields where they serve, but they face declining support at home. They're not receiving the financial support that they desperately need, not just to sustain the work that's being done, but to grow the work that's being done. And so our mission efforts around the world are in trouble that are sponsored by the United States. We are the largest missionary sending nation on the planet. But there are nations coming up quickly behind us. South Korea right now is number two. And they send thousands of missionaries around the world. And God is at work in spite of what's happening to us in North America. But America's in trouble. Missions are in trouble. Can I tell you that it's because the church is in trouble? You don't need me to tell you that the church is in trouble. We see churches closing in Arkansas. It got to be such an acute problem a few years ago when I served at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention that we actually prepared a how-to document to help a director of missions know how to legally and wisely shut down a church because we had so many churches that could not continue their existence because of their declining numbers. Our effectiveness as a church is almost null and void. We are not a moral majority. We are not a voice to be reckoned with. We are a noise, but people don't fear or worry about what evangelicals or conservative Christians think anymore. And I believe the church is in trouble because believers are in trouble. That man or woman in the pew is in trouble because we have adopted a form of Christian living that is based on rule-keeping, we've talked about that here, that's based on rule-keeping, that's based on what I can do for God and is not focused on what is God doing in me and wants to do through me. And so the believer is in trouble, and that's where it comes. And that's where that incredible need exists for you and I to go back to the original message of Jesus Christ and understand what the kingdom of God really is. And I hope I can do justice to it. But tonight, I just want to raise the question, why study the kingdom of God? And so here's the question that I want to pose tonight. Why do I need to understand the kingdom of God? And I just jotted these things down this afternoon, and all I have is a heading and a scripture. And so we're going to just say, Jesus, help us, and let's see where we go, okay? First of all, why do we need to understand the kingdom of God? It was the core message that Jesus preached. It was the central theme 
of everything he taught and everything that he did. Mark chapter 1 captures this. Now, John the Baptist was the first to come preaching, repent for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was the first to do it. And he taught that the coming of the kingdom or the advent of the kingdom of God would be marked by a baptism with the Spirit and a baptism of fire. And we're going to look more at that later perhaps. But he was thinking of something that was going to happen now and was going to usher in the absolute rule of God. Now, Jesus began preaching the very same message as soon as John was locked up and put away in prison. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14, it says this. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God, saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel in the good news. Now, how many times did Jesus preach that? How much of his teaching is associated with this message about the kingdom of God? Is that the message that he gave to his followers to preach? And we'll see that a little bit later in our our study. But here's the thing that you ought to ask yourself. If this is the central message that Jesus preached, do I understand it? Do I understand it? We preach a gospel, and it is the gospel. It is good news that Jesus came and died for my sins. That when I put my trust in Jesus and his finished work for me on the cross, he forgives me for my sins, and I am saved for all eternity. And yet, when he preaches the gospel, there is no question that the forgiveness of our sins and his death on the cross is part of that. I can show you that in the gospels. But but what he preached over and over again was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, if you came up to me after church and you said, Brother Don, I'm new here, and I've, I don't know my way around, and that's, that's easy to do at Wind Baptist Church, not to know your way around. Some of you have been here a long time don't know your way around. And, and you came up to me and said, Brother Don, I need to go to the preschool area. And I don't know how to get there. I'd say, come with me. Follow me. I will make you a knower of where the preschool is. And you follow me, and we wind through the lobby, and we wind through the the gym, and we go outside, and we walk under the cover, and we go inside the building, the very back of the property. We go into that tiled foyer, and then I take you all the way back to the preschool. Some of y'all didn't know where it was, did you? And I take you all the way back to that preschool, and I, I take you into the door of the preschool, and I say, the preschool is at hand. That's exactly what Jesus was saying. It's right here. Repent for the kingdom of God is right here. And it was a stunning message, and it stirred hearts. And as we go further into our study, we'll see why it was so incredibly exciting to the people that heard it. It was the core message that Jesus preached. If it was the core message he preached, it is essential that you and I understand what it was that Jesus was teaching and what he was preaching and that his followers went about preaching and teaching as well. Secondly, I need to understand the kingdom of God because it informs me of the human need for salvation. Let me translate that. It informs me of my need for salvation. 
the human need for salvation. We saw this verse when we studied Colossians last spring. He has delivered us from the power or the domain of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So Jesus comes preaching about a kingdom. And then when Paul teaches what happened to you when you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, he said that you changed kingdoms. You're still on earth, you're still in this body, but you have changed kingdoms. You've gone from the domain of darkness, which is one kingdom, and you have been translated or conveyed or carried into another kingdom, and you never left your physical address. You never left your physical body, but you are in a new kingdom. Now, why did that have to happen? Because I could not know life spiritual life and stay in the kingdom of darkness there is a kingdom that exists in this world that has nothing to do with God there's a kingdom in this world that is behind much of the pain and suffering that we referred to this morning and in that kingdom you and I are held in bondage because of our sin we're going to explore this in depth later, but we are in bondage. We are held in that kingdom because of our sin. If we were to keep reading in the verse 14, he talks about we have been moved into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through the shedding of His blood. And, and so we have been set free from the kingdom of darkness because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We were slaves. We were in bondage. We desperately needed a Savior. We needed someone to set us free so we could come out of that kingdom of darkness. It helps me understand what it means when I got saved. It was more than just my sins being forgiven. My entire relationship to the universe changed when I trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thirdly, why do I need to understand the kingdom of God? Because it casts light onto the spiritual conflict surrounding the spread of the gospel. Why is it that people are so hostile to the gospel to the point that you and I are afraid to talk about it? Why is it that people are so hostile to Christianity in some parts of the world that they'd rather kill you than listen to what you have to say? There is a spiritual war and a conflict associated with the spread of the gospel. In second service this morning, I asked prayer for the Bolans who are serving as missionaries in South Asia because their sons have been repeatedly been getting sick. And Chrissy now is getting sick, the mom. And it has been happening on a repetitive, recurring basis, and it is so obvious that it is a work of the enemy to hinder their efforts to share the gospel in their part of the world. And why is there such hostility? Why is there such spiritual animosity to the gospel? Well, we get a clue in Jesus' temptation by the devil. In Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 7, we read about that last temptation that's recorded. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Now think about that. He's up on a high place, and every kingdom of the world that was in existence, every structure of authority, every power known to humanity, everything on the planet that represented rulership, everything that was in charge, everything that controlled the affairs and the destiny of every family on earth, all of it, he showed it to him in a moment of time. I don't understand what that was about. I don't know how that happened. 
But that's what he did. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship or bow down or fall prostrate on your face before me, all will be yours. Now, would you think with me for just a moment? The Bible says that that was a temptation that Jesus experienced. He was actually tempted by that offer. It is impossible for Jesus to be tempted by that offer unless it was a legitimate deal. Unless Satan truly had all the kingdoms of the world to give to Jesus Christ. Now, you know he rejected that offer. And that when he died on the cross, the Bible tells us he died so he could be Lord both of the living and the dead. Jesus is the king. (laughs) And he doesn't need the devil to hand him the kingdoms. And there's a day coming where that will be plain and obvious to every person who has ever lived. And I look forward to that time. But in the mercy and the providence and the patience of God, we have this period of time where it is not yet apparent, where the gospel is to be shared. Now, what we see is Jesus preaches the good news of the kingdom of God is that everywhere he preaches that message, have you noticed what happens in the gospels? All hell breaks loose against him. People who are demonized come out of the crowd. Storms erupt on a simple passage across a lake. Storms erupt that try to kill him and the men on board with him. And Jesus speaks to it as if it can hear him, as if it has a personality. And I suspect it did, not because it was a force of nature, because it was a demonic force that was at work. And everywhere Jesus did ministry, you have this collision of the kingdom of God with the kingdom or the ruler of this world. And so the kingdom of God invades or presses into this world. And we'll see that more clearly as we go, but it, by its very nature, it causes conflict. And if you're a believer, you are in that war, whether you understand it or not. And the moment you try to walk with Jesus, the moment you ask him to fill you with your, his spirit, the moment you try to pray and seek his activity in your life, the moment you ask that, that God would bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, the very moment you begin to pray like that, the very moment you begin to share your faith, you can expect to encounter the same kind of conflict that Jesus did. And so don't be surprised, brother or sister, by that conflict. And understanding the kingdom of God helps us understand why there's so much conflict around us. Number four, and the last one, why study the kingdom of God? I need to understand it because it gives me insight into what God is doing in the world today. It gives me insight into what God is doing in the world today. The kingdom of God is not simply a message found in an old book. When Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, we can say as believers today that the kingdom of God is still at hand and has been at hand for 2,000 years. 
Now, there's so much we're going to study and so much we're going to get into, but here's the thing I want you to understand. The kingdom of God was not only the central message of Jesus 2,000 years ago, but you and I need to understand it so that it becomes a central controlling idea of our ministry and our service of God in this generation. It is the best way, it is the only way to understand why we do what we do, why we preach what we preach, and why we try to rescue the perishing. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we have one of those summary statements that appears in the gospel periodically. And after Jesus came preaching, the very first message he preached, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. A few verses later, after he's called his first disciples to follow him, this is what he was doing. This is what Jesus is doing. Matthew 4, verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And so not only did he preach the message, but he's going around teaching it, he's preaching it, and he's demonstrating the presence of the kingdom of God by God's activity through him and through his ministry. What's interesting is that when you see Jesus after his resurrection in Acts chapter 1, between the resurrection and the time he ascended into heaven, in that space of time we read in Acts 1 verse 3, talking about his disciples, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Has he stopped? Has he changed his message? No. He's still at it. He's still trying to help his followers understand, I'm about to leave. I got some things you need to understand about the kingdom of God and how this works and what your mission is. And he does it for 40 days. I wish I could have been in those sessions. But we have the legacy of God's word to help us understand it. And then we go to the middle of the book of Acts. Pentecost has come. The church has exploded across the Mediterranean and across the Roman Empire. And we are now in Ephesus, one of the largest urban areas in the Roman Empire. It's the third largest metropolitan area, about 300,000 people. And Paul has finally got to Ephesus. He wanted to go there sooner than he did, but now he's finally there. And we read in Acts chapter 19, verse 8, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Has Paul preached something different than what Jesus taught? No. For 90 days in the synagogue, he's trying to help those Jewish minds understand, get their heads around the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way, which is the way the uh, early Christians were described, they were called the way. That's why Church on the Way has a great name out in Southern California, Church on the Way. The way, why would they call themselves people of the way? Anybody want to venture a guess? What did Jesus say about himself? I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And so what are you people? He says, we are people of the way. We're of the way. We're on the way. So some people spoke evil of the way before the multitude, and he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And so he goes to a public teaching venue, and this continued for two years. What continued? His teaching about the kingdom of God continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, Asia at that time is the name of a province in the southwestern part of modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. And Ephesus sits there, and he's just simply teaching day in and day out for two years. And the gospel spreads and is communicated to every person in that province, about 300,000 people. Now, in this part of Arkansas, we call the Delta. We have a little bit more people than that. Not too many, probably 400 to 450,000 people across 15 counties or however you count the delta and in two years everyone in asia heard the word of the lord do you think in two years everyone in the delta could hear about jesus or do you already think they've already heard about jesus you know they haven't and so paul is teaching about the kingdom of god and then we come to the very last verses of the book of acts acts chapter 28 and uh, there's a ministry in North America called the Acts 29 Network. It's an effort to start new churches. And Acts 29, there is no Acts 29, but it's describing the ministry of what's happening beyond the book of Acts. Well, Acts 28 takes us right up to the doorstep of Acts 29, which is you and me. It says, Paul's under house arrest in Rome. It says, then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. What was he doing? Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So the kingdom of God, which was the central message of Jesus' preaching and teaching, is continuing to be the central message of the preaching and teaching of people like Paul who helped shape our thinking and our understanding of the gospel for some 2,000 years. Well, I think the most important thing that we've talked about, why do I need to understand the kingdom of God, is it is, informs me of my need or the human need for salvation. You see, the kingdom of God, which is the very presence and rule of God, the kingdom of God is not something you can just assume that you're part of. There is a membership. And there has to be something that happens to take you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom of God. It involves a receiving of the truth. It involves an accepting and a placing of your trust in the message about Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and he is the one who rules the entire universe. It's only on this planet that we have utter chaos. And the kingdom of God is here and is pressing into this world. Now, the world that you see is not the way it originally was. Originally, it was made with every intention of God stamped on it. It was good. Everything about it was good. And then when sin came in the picture, it was corrupted. 
The Bible says that creation, it groans because of the corruption that it experiences because of sin. Creation is not only corrupted, it's ruled by an evil mind, Satan and his demons. And without Christ, that's what you're a part of. You're part of a broken world that is ruled by a demon army. But the Bible says you can be set free. That your greatest need is not a bigger paycheck. Your greatest need is not material success. Your greatest need is not even your personal health. But your greatest need is to know God through Jesus Christ. And that if you will put your trust in Christ, who died for you on his cross and died for your sins, if you'll put your trust in him, he will forgive your sins. But more than that, he will take you out of the kingdom of darkness and he will put you forever in his kingdom and you will be his and you will belong to him. If you've never trusted Christ tonight, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And so in just a moment when we stand and sing, I'm going to invite you to slip out of your pew in the balcony or down here on the floor and come speak to one of the pastors that will be here. We would love to share with you how a person comes to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And your life can be changed tonight and you can become part of the kingdom of God. And then brothers and sisters, I don't know where your heart is or your head is on this topic, but I am telling you this is the most important series of studies that we'll probably ever do at Wynn Baptist Church. I don't think I'm exaggerating because we're talking about the central theme of Jesus' life and his preaching that was carried on by his disciples. I believe that life in the kingdom is a life that you desperately need and you desperately want. And that if God would grip our hearts with the good news of the kingdom of God, I believe that he can change America from Wynn, Arkansas. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you and we bless you for the incredible good news of the kingdom of God. And we pray, Father, that as we respond to you now and we worship you and we sing your praise, that you would fill our hearts with hope and a great expectation as we continue this study in weeks to come. Father, we ask you to guide us and to lead us. Lord, I pray for that person here tonight that doesn't know Christ and who lives in a dark place, in a dark kingdom. I pray tonight that they would come and that they would find liberation and liberty and freedom in Christ. Would you draw them to yourself? And Father, where we desperately need your power and your presence in our lives, I pray for that person tonight who is hurting and who needs a job, who needs help financially, who needs you to come into their life and show yourself to be a mighty God. Lord, would you hear their cry as we pray and respond to you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.